0: Alright, so as we have been walking through Romans 12, we came to a point where we started talking about this idea of a committed
1: family relationship with
0: one another. And uh, the end of that, the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for, the... The 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 climax the the, the 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 grand point. What am I looking for? Help me with another one. The
1: climax. Yeah.
0: The precipice. The paramount. The biggest. Like the the, the 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 yes. I mean, we've got to come up with words to describe how incredible this experience is going to be when you have the opportunity to either keep a stone. To get a stone or to take your stone and leave. But we've been talking a lot about relationships and what that means and what this represents or the relationships
1: that we have.
0: And I think we've begun this conversation trying to uh, to DTR, to define the relationship. You know, you get to a point in a relationship when you're interacting with someone else and you're like, we need to stop and we need to DTR. Define the relationship. Let's be clear about this. Let's be clear about how we see each other, about how we're going to interact with each other. About our commitment
1: to one another. And
0: as we talked about last week, are we relatives or are we family? And this is a commitment to be family, this relationship of family. And because at Livingstone's, we are all about relationships. If you look at our mission statement, it's about having and pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ. That that relationship with Him would be restored, that that relationship with others would be restored, that we be reconciled and reconciling our vision statement is about relationships that we would come together as a reconciled family despite the barriers, despite the differences between us that we would be multi-ethnic, multi multi-class but we would be gospel centered in our relationships and our values are no different But I think we should share our values. As you consider this relationship, that we should share about our values as a church, as a family. And so, this is something that I think helps us think through and understand those values. This is a triangle that represents relationships. And if you look up, there's a relationship up with God. This gospel-driven
1: relationship.
0: And in another corner of the triangle is to look in these inward relationships that we would be church-centered in our relationships as well. And that lastly, this relationship out, that we would be neighbor-focused in our relationships. So first and foremost, at the top of the triangle, right, we are gospel centered i mean gospel driven this relationship up we have to have this relationship with god we seek the gospel we pursue the gospel we receive the gospel we live out the gospel in that relationship with god and from that right as it works its way through the triangle from that then we are church centered and neighbor focused in our relationships and it sounds like you can't be both at the same time. That we can't be both church-centered and neighbor-focused, but that's intentional, and there's a tension there that is throughout the Scriptures, and that I believe is how we are to live as a church. If we're gospel-driven, then we will be both church-centered and neighbor-focused. And hopefully that helps with a framework for your mind, a framework to understand our values and how we want to live out from this gospel-driven relationship with God, with each other and with our neighbors, in relationship. Everybody with me? Alright, so I want to read 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read verse 2 through 5, and I want you to look for uh, this diagram. Look for these relationships, this upward, inward, and outward relationships as we read this passage. To see in this passage. Gospel-driven, church-centered, and neighbor-focused. So I'll read first in English, and then Ashley in Spanish. It says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So this morning we want to start with Gospel-Driven. That's where our emphasis will be this morning. And how the Gospel is essential and how the Gospel is the source of our relationships and this family and LSPV. And so if you look at verse 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. Now, if you look back in the context of this letter,
1: uh, you're going to have to trust
0: me for now, but go back and read 1 Peter chapter 1, read up to this, but it's clear that this pure spiritual milk that Peter is referencing, that he's given this illustration for us, is the Gospel. He's saying, Crave the gospel. Desire the gospel. Pursue the gospel. Everybody see it? Be driven by the gospel. It's this pure spiritual No. Now the other day, my foster daughter it was just over two and living with us, saw for the first time her baby brother that was born and with her mom, with her birth mom, and they FaceTime, right, the baby's just been born, that is a few hours old, mom is on the phone, my daughter is looking at her and she sees her baby brother. We've been talking about baby brothers. You're going to have a baby brother.
1: And if you visit
0: us, you'll find out soon Inaís has a baby brother. And Inaís is looking.
1: And she is staring.
0: And she is taking in the the image
1: of this baby brother.
0: And what is he doing? Mom is holding him, and he's going, ah, 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 ah. And now he starts going, baby brother, ah, baby brother, ah, baby brother, ah, baby brother, ah, ah, ah. And she starts laughing, and ah, ah, and she's doing this over and over again. And we mention baby brother now, and she says, baby brother, ah, ah, ah. Why is her baby brother doing that? What does he want? He wants milk, right? He wants his mother's milk. He's just hours old, but this is the main thing he does. His eyes were closed, or he was going, ah, ah, ah. He was craving, he was pursuing, he was asking for his mother's milk. Now, I remember as a student and having to go to the hospital for the first time and go into the NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care unit where they take care of very sick, very tiny, very new babies. And as a student we had to go in and check their reflexes. And the reflex that I remember most, because I had not experienced it then, okay? This was before I was married, before I had had children, or been around children, or holding children. But I go in as a therapist and I stroke their cheek. And what does the baby do when I just touch the cheek? It turns right to it. Ah, ah, ah. You touch the other cheek. Ah, ah. This rooting Reflex. It's just natural. It's it's built in because they need their mothers milk. They need this milk as infants to survive. They need it to develop. They need it to grow. We have a gospel reflex. It's a built-in awareness. All of us, we have this reflex of needing. We know we need. I know I'm in need. I know there's something in me that is broken. I know there's something in us that is broken and needs repair and needs restored. I know there's something in our world that needs repair. And we're looking for it, and we want it, and we desire it, and we need it to grow. We need it to develop spiritually. We need it to develop in our relationship with God. We need it to develop in our relationship with others. Are you aware of that need? This need for the gospel. The
1: maintain,
0: this need for Jesus
1: in your life. This need for Jesus in our world. our world.
0: I don't hear any of us no, 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 are crying out. You all look pretty pleurando. content. You all look pretty satisfied. You, no, don't like we're we're you all don't look
1: like you're in we're need.
0: Because if we were in need, it would sound something more like this. How did that feel? That's a wonderful, terrible sound. Now what could we do? Instead of giving that baby the milk that it desires and
1: needs,
0: what could we do? Some of you have experienced this. You've got to think back. What did you do? Some of you are in the middle of this. And some of you are going to experience this. But what do you do? Uh, you can't. Mom's not available. Milk's not available. What are you going to do?
1: <laughs>
0: right. Just leave the baby. Right. Unfortunately, that's not a acceptable option. What's next?
1: <laughs>
0: Carry it around. Bounce it. Right. It's doing it. Uh, uh, uh. So what are you going to do? Put a pacifier in it. Right? Pacify it. No.
1: No? No. <laughs> Let it suck
0: on his thumb. I
1: can't say that it's <laughs> a good thing.
0: Do you realize how we have substituted things for the milk of the gospel that we need? It's like giving this baby again and again and again. Just give it the pacifier, don't give it the milk. Just give it its thumb, don't give it the milk. And what will happen to that baby if we keep giving it this brief satisfaction with a thumb or a pacifier or just bouncing it and rocking it? What will happen if we just substitute those things and never give it milk? It won't thrive,
1: it won't make it, it won't grow,
0: it won't develop. And for us, as followers of Christ, as Christians, as the church, we have taken and substituted so many things for the gospel, right? We we started out crying out, wanting Jesus, but we then find these other things, right, that will satisfy me, that will pacify me, this need that I have. This desire that I have for Jesus, this desire that I have for the gospel, and I find alternate things. I might look to my family. I'm going to focus on my family. I'm going to fill that need and that desire with my family, not with the gospel. I'm going to look to other relationships. I'm going to look to my job. I'm going to do well in my career. I'm going to satisfy that need with my security with my identity with my status with how others see me we substitute so many different things for the gospel I want you to think about in your life what is that you had this desire this need for the gospel what have you
1: put in its place
0: and it can be good things it doesn't have to be bad things but we can take good things and substitute them for the gospel and it will result in us not thriving us not growing us not developing And our understanding and in our living out of the gospel.
1: Because
0: the gospel is not just a one-time need. It's not a one-time need that we have and that is met when we begin to follow Jesus. If you are following Jesus, you will have repeated need of the gospel. You didn't come to Jesus, receive the gospel, and I no longer need the gospel. You have to continue with Jesus and continue receiving and needing and desiring and pursuing the gospel. Or you won't continue. And as we continue, what will grow? What does the passage say? Look in verse 2. What will grow? our salvation our salvation will grow we will grow into a full and fuller and fuller and ultimately one day the fullest experience of our salvation
1: when you begin
0: right you can have a small experience a taste of that but we're supposed to grow in that and grow in that and grow in that to a fullness of this experience we have to see salvation with a greater perspective than what is common in the church. We have to increase our understanding and grow into a salvation that aligns fully with the full story of God. We need to see salvation bigger. Remember Hebrews, right? You get. Po- I get... Poked fun at a lot because of Hebrews and because of all the time that we spent in Hebrews. But you guys remember, as we went through Hebrews, salvation is what? It's a process, right? We begin, there's a beginning point of salvation, there's an ending point, there's a finish. But there's also a process as we go through life. And in each part, we are desperate for the gospel. We need the gospel and if we understood the magnitude of salvation how big and how grand and how great and how encompassing salvation is that is described in this book then we would have a greater desire for the gospel because we're going to grow in that salvation as we pursue the gospel It's the gospel that nourishes us. It's the gospel that will develop us and produce the fruit of salvation in our lives, in each other's lives, and in our world. Okay? Understand what I'm saying. The gospel will change you. The gospel will change others around you. And the gospel will change the entire world. There will be a new heaven, a new earth. Right? God will restore all things. We will be under His rule and His reign. That's the gospel, okay? It it begins, okay? There's a starting point for you as an individual, but you are part of a bigger story. The good news is huge. The good news is bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than us. It encompasses all of creation. We've got to see it for that. And I want to grow in that. We can't just see it as a narrow thing that gets me a ticket to heaven. Absolutely, by the blood of Jesus Christ, I am forgiven. I am part of His family. I will be with Him. My inheritance is secure, but this is happening bigger than me. And I get to, and we get to, participate in that. That's what it means to be gospel-driven from the beginning to the end with me,
1: with us, with our neighborhood
0: and in this world God is restoring all things we have to believe that the life of Jesus the death of Jesus the resurrection of Jesus and the reign of Jesus as King. That's the good news
1: of the gospel.
0: Jesus came what? Proclaiming the good news. That's the good news.
1: So he says, Repent, come
0: with me, follow me as we pursue, as we proclaim, as we work for this good news. Our job is to live and love like Jesus right if we if we experience this gospel then we're gonna live and we're gonna love like Jesus if we experience this gospel then we are going to sacrifice and serve like Jesus if we experience this gospel then we are going to proclaim with power through the Holy Spirit like Jesus about this kingdom, about this good news if we experience the gospel we will work for, we will seek the kingdom of God here on earth in this place, in our neighborhood in our world as it is in heaven Because we want to grow,
1: right, in the
0: fullness of our experience of salvation. If we continue with the gospel, it requires more than just having information about the gospel. It requires more than just being able to explain the gospel, even being able to share the gospel. It's more than that. It's actually
1: experiencing
0: the gospel. And if we have tasted the greatness and the fullness of the gospel then we're going to want more. If you don't want more, something was wrong with your original taste. You need to go back, right? You need to go back and go back to your first love. You need to go back to this heart that you had when, Jesus, I am broken. I'm in need. I'm desperate for you. And work your way from there and continue in that.
1: Because
0: if we've had a taste, we're going to want more look at verse
1: 3
0: now that you have tasted that the Lord is good now that's misleading in the English because it says tasted and that makes me think I got just a little bit right but that word taste is now that you've experienced now that you have walked in and received and, 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 and interacted with Jesus
1: right
0: right you got to taste it. You've had that experience. Now you're gonna want more. Now, if you guys remember before the pandemic, you could go to the mall with your kids. It's hard enough to keep them away from certain stores. But you always end up walking by the food court. And what did they do before the pandemic at the food court? As you walked by, there would be people roaming around doing what? Giving you samples, giving you tasters, right? And you'd be walking, minding your own business, keeping your eyes straight ahead, pulling your kids with you. Don't anyone look, we're not going to eat here, we're not going to shop here, we're going for one store. Let's all go through, and they come. Would you like a taste? Would you like a taste? And they've got all this food on a toothpick that you can taste. Right? Now, why are they doing that? To get you to come in. To come in for what? To, To spend money, how though? On more food, right? You can have this taste and it's going to bring you in and you're going to want more, right? You're going to want more of the orange chicken. Taste is supposed to leave you wanting
1: more. That
0: first experience as it goes in your mouth and it melts in your mouth and it's warm. But do tastes nourish? Did you live off of a
1: taste? Could you grow
0: off of a taste? Could you develop off of tastes every once in a while? No, we have to go in. We have to sit down. We have to have the full experience. right? Enjoy the meal. We don't have a taste when we want a meal. When we need more. And see, we think we just need a taste of the gospel here a taste of the gospel there a little bit of jesus here in this part of my life and a little more of jesus back in this part this part i'm doing okay i don't necessarily need jesus but i'll i'll get a taste here a taste there and that will sustain me does anyone think that will work Because we need Jesus in all parts of our lives. And we need more of Him in more parts of our lives. We don't get to pick and choose where we get a taste of Jesus. We're supposed to experience Him in His fullness in all parts of our lives. As an individual, as a community, and even as the world. But following Jesus, we're okay. We're just living off of
1: taste. I'm
0: guilty of that. I don't see my need, I don't acknowledge my brokenness. We're not supposed to wait. We're not waiting
1: to experience the Gospel. Uh,
0: There's no reason why. Well, now, because of the gospel, because of Jesus Christ, I can have this relationship with Him. I can be reconciled with God. And I'm just going to now live my life and wait for that in heaven. Does that make any sense? To to be able to have my relationship restored with God and then not enter into and experience that relationship. but I'm just going to wait until I get to heaven to know Him more. To be with him, to experience him, to worship him. I'll do that in heaven. I had a
1: taste.
0: As a church. Are we willing to gather with one another?
1: To worship with one another.
0: As a multi-ethnic, multilingual, multi-class body, right? Every nation, every tribe, every tongue will be there before the throne. Are we willing to seek to do that now? Or are we to say, you know what, that's gonna be incredible one day when we all come together and as one body, one multi-ethnic, multilingual, multi-class, crazy diverse body, focused on Jesus, worshiping Jesus all together as he sits on the throne.
1: That's gonna be incredible.
0: Let's just wait for it.
1: We'll
0: experience that later. In our world, God will restore.
1: There will be justice.
0: All things will be made right in His kingdom. The least will be greatest, and the greatest will be. What is it? The last will be first, and the first shall be last, right? The least will become the greatest. His kingdom will turn around this world, He will restore it to His design. But let's not worry about it now.
1: Let's not seek His kingdom. Let's
0: not seek justice in our world, in our neighborhood, in our relationships. Let's just... Let's wait. I had a
1: taste.
0: Let's not experience it anymore. Do you guys see what I'm saying? We're supposed to come back for more. We're supposed to experience that more in our relationship with God, in our relationship with each other, in our relationship in our neighborhood, in our world. We're supposed to continue in that, experience that more and more as what? The salvation grows in us. We've had a taste. And we will have it in its fullness. I promise. God promises us that, right? That's why we, as we take communion, right? We we look at what God has done. He gave us this taste, and now we've continued in this. And look at what we're experiencing now. And we look forward to the fullness of that. And we continue on by faith. Our experience will grow. Our experience will be in its fullness
1: in the kingdom.
0: But we are to experience it more and more now. We're to walk in that together as individuals, as a body. And if we don't grow up into our salvation,
1: if we
0: don't develop, We'll become malformed,
1: right? If we don't
0: give that baby the milk, what's going to happen? It's going to be. It's not going to thrive. The baby's going to be malformed. It's not going to develop appropriately. It's going to be delayed. And honestly, I think as a church we are delayed, right? The church as a whole, and even us, we're delayed because we don't go back to this milk that we need for our nourishment. We make it about other things, and it just it looks. Right? It doesn't look right. We don't present an accurate picture of Jesus. Because we don't go back to the gospel. And we don't present an accurate picture of Jesus. And we don't act like Jesus. We don't live like Jesus. We don't proclaim his work. And the kingdom that Jesus was bringing. And it just looks ugly. because we don't experience Jesus. We cannot proclaim Him, we cannot demonstrate Him in our lives and through our life together. We have to go back. And the only way for us to be healed, the only way for us to be restored, the only way for us to be formed as our Creator designed us is to come to Jesus. So look at the end. Verse 4 In the beginning of verse 5. As you come to him. The living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. You also like living stones. He gives this illustration to us and then he says the solution is to come to Jesus as you come to Jesus who is what he is the living stone the living stone And it describes him, and then it says, We like living stones, we're going to be like him, right? If we're malformed, we don't look like Jesus. We don't live like Jesus. But come to Jesus, come to the gospel repeatedly, again and again, be nourished by it, and then what? Then you will be like Jesus, like living stones.
1: We're going to be like
0: him if we come to him. And it describes what a living stone, this living stone that was rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him. So as we continue to define the relationship, I want you to understand who we are as living stones as we come to Jesus. It's not who we naturally are, but it's who we are if we continue in the gospel. We are living. We've received new life through the power of the gospel. We are not an organization, but instead a family.
1: We are
0: Are not a place
1: or a location,
0: but instead the body for the living Spirit of God. We are living. If we come to Jesus, if we continue in the gospel, then we'll be living. And we are chosen and precious. We are unique and different. Not all the same or even trying to be the same. But from the world's perspective, our differences are too great and should prevent us from joining together to accomplish anything. However, God has chosen us, and through the power of the gospel, He breaks down the barriers of language, ethnicity, class, age, as we seek to fully proclaim and demonstrate
1: Jesus Christ.
0: We have many differences, but we are united
1: by the gospel. We are chosen,
0: and we are precious. We're chosen for this. We're precious from God's perspective as we come back to the gospel,
1: as we continue in the gospel.
0: And last, we are stones. And all this is on the website if you want to go read it. I'm just reading some of this to you now, okay? This has been there for years. This is who we are. This is what we desire. I just want to bring it back up as we define the relationship. We're stones. We're stones like Christ for God's purposes and the work that He wants to do through us. He has chosen us not because of our value, not because of our shape or usefulness, but for His glory. For His glory. Individually, a single stone, right? Serves a limited purpose, but strategically placed together with other stones by the master builder, we can realize our true purpose and proclaim
1: the amazing
0: skill of the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a living stone like Him. That's what it looks like to be gospel-driven. And so the question for us is have you come to Him? Have you come to the point where you have Acknowledge your need. Acknowledge your brokenness. Where you are beyond help, beyond assistance. The only option is Jesus and what He has done for you. Have you come to Him and begun this salvation? And if you've begun that salvation, then are you willing to come back to Him and repeatedly come to Him, coming to the Gospel, coming to His feet, coming to this place of need for you, for us, for our world? if we crave the gospel
1: if we experience the gospel if we
0: come to him and follow him Then he has a design and a purpose for us. And that's what we'll talk about next time. We'll talk about this design, right? This church centered design and this purpose to be neighbor focused. We'll talk about the design and the purpose as we come to him, as we are gospel driven. But first, we have to let go of our lives. We have to let go
1: of the things
0: that we have substituted for the gospel. The things we have put in Jesus' place. The things we have looked to to temporarily satisfy us when there is a fuller experience
1: waiting for us.
0: Things that we've replaced Him with.